it's really important that the on-site staff are involved. We really, you know, want them to embrace um, our our culture, our philosophy, but also maintain their identity. You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 5, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by sponsors AccuShield, Connected Living, Hamilton Captel, Inquire, One Day, LTC REIT, It's Never Too Late, Meridian Capital Group, Salinity, The Bridge Group Construction, and produced by Salinity Marketing. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We're in Dallas, Texas, and we've got a great friend on the show today, Larry Cohen. Welcome back to the program. Well, I'm thrilled to be here and great to see you again and great to be back uh, with my industry that I love so much. That's right. So when we had you on the podcast before, it was, I think you had just made a transition. Um, and now uh, it's been a couple of years and you have uh, this new perspective. You've gotten to go on the outside and uh, see a couple of things. And we've gone through many changes in the industry. And now you're back and you have a new company. I believe it's Trustwell Living. That's correct. Um, and so we'd love to get uh, kind of pick your brain on what did you see and learn through that process and, and what made you want to get back into this to uh, help support, you know, housing for older adults? Well, it was interesting. Um, it wasn't planned, the timing, obviously, with COVID and the impact it had um, on the industry. I took some time and really reflected upon um, having been involved in this business for over 32 years and really thought about looking at, you know, starting a kind of a clean slate, people, systems, technology, started to look initially at maybe buying a company and looked at various companies, got under the hood, and um, realized that, you know, in, I've been doing this now for, uh, I guess it's I don't know, 34, 35 years. And when we started in this industry back in the late 1980s, there was a dearth of good operators. And I'd say there are some good operators, but there's still a dearth of good operators in this industry. It's a very operationally intensive business. I think that, um, you know, from the outside looking in during uh, the pandemic and seeing, you know, first of all, the heroes uh, and that this industry developed of on-site staff and, and caring and, and even companies really being out there supportive, uh, taking financial uh, pressures and emotional pressures uh, during COVID and, and regulatory and government issues, you know, obviously had a major impact as well as to the consumer and families. Um, it's great to see the uh, pent-up demand that the industry has seen this past year as we've seen absorption rates increase, occupancies start to creep back up a lot still far away from where they need to be. But I think it's had some real long-term changes of this industry that I don't think people really think much about. And I think that we're at this inflection point where uh, we try to think about operationally, when we were capital senior living and you know we had this philosophy of uh, really empowering the on-site staff to have the autonomy, the responsibility, and the accountability. And the corporate office was a support tool to that staff. 
And, you know, our, our vision was to provide the best resources, the best training, the best systems, the best oversight, but let the properties operate as local businesses. I think that changed a lot during the pandemic because of all the regulatory pressures and other pressures that occurred. And I think uh, it changed a lot of the dynamics of just the structure of, of the operations. As a result, we've seen a lot of burnout and continue to see burnout in this industry at all levels. Um, in the last week, we signed confidentiality agreements, I think 20 buildings. And a lot of what it we're seeing now are owners, operators that just have been fatigued and are kind of throwing their hands up. And we're also seeing a lot of turnover. Obviously, staffing has you know, been a big issue in all industries. Um, and this has been a tough one, you know, that you know, people who really you know, live through COVID, dealing with all the effects of COVID on residents, family, staff. Um, isolation and just the change of the business, which was really a social, you know, going back and we started this business in this industry, you know, three decades, four decades ago, uh, you know, it really was the socialization and started out very much with a hospitality model. And you attracted a couple in the late 70s that moved in and they downsized and they had a great uh, lifestyle. Today, it's much more D-driven, much more uh, care, uh, healthcare driven. Um, and I think that um, we're seeing, you know, changes. And it's interesting, you know, coming back into the industry now, I'm so fortunate to have my team back together. You know, we've got a, a great uh, leadership team in operations, marketing, clinical, business development, uh, uh, project management, construction, um, that, you know, we've worked together for 15 plus years and everyone's been in the industry for 20 plus years. There's, you know, we're very fresh and refreshed. And, you know, now we're assigned to buy buildings, take over operations. And it's amazing to see the excitement and enthusiasm of the current staff of coming and joining the Trustwell team. Part of it is just, I think they're just looking forward to the change. You know, they've gone through a really tough couple of years. Um, most operators have had financial you know, strains. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, the, the funds from the government have been limited. That's been a big frustration. And, you know, the business, the margins are down. Seeing a lot of um, uh, situations with, you know, operations and properties losing money. And we're coming in refreshed, well-capitalized, uh, looking forward to uh, investing in resources and people, in uh, capital improvements, technology, care plans, um, and also just starting, you know, taking collectively, I don't know, we have, I think, 150 years combined experience. And, you know, it's exciting that we can sit down now with a, this whiteboard and say, all right, what CRM, what care plan, what, what Wi-Fi, what technology, what wander guard, you know, what, 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 all these things, yeah. you know, and draw upon these resources to use all the uh, best uh, supportive um, uh, technology solutions 
that are really targeted for this industry. You sound scratch. You sound optimistic uh, and and excited to be back in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. So with all the changes that we've had, uh, you having kind of this fresh outlook and this enthusiasm for the industry. What do you think um, some of the the bigger opportunities that are ahead of us? I think the opportunity is to obviously um, start to get back to this combination of um, care with wellness with socialization. Um, obviously, I think it's important. I've gone into buildings and it's residents are lonely. You walk in, uh, I see a lot of cases where they lack activities. Just it doesn't have that feeling, that kind of vibe that you would have typically with activities going on in the community. And you could speak to residents. You know, the one thing that we're doing is interesting is that as we buy buildings, when we go in and we meet with residents and staff, we always do Zoom calls with family members. And we repeat that. And we really understand uh, from the family their perspective. And I'd say the biggest challenge that the family recognizing is turnover and their frustration that their parent, their aunt, their sibling, you know, um, it's really difficult to have this change that's going on uh, with caregivers and wait staff and other you know, executives in the building. We're fortunate that we're coming in. We have um, really strong bench strength. We have uh, a lot of former colleagues that are anxious to join us. And, you know, we're looking to, um, as we take on buildings, our hope always is to continue with existing staff and let them grow with us, but then also, you know, bring in, um, you know, where we need to have changes and things. So, you know, I think that um, there's this recognition that um, the, the staffing pressures and issues clearly out there, contract labor, uh, it's not only a very large financial strain, but an emotional strain on families and residents. So hopefully we can have this environment that we can provide um, a career for staff that are passionate about serving seniors. Hey, Senior Living Influencer, we have an event for you. So many of you have heard about our VIP Ignite experience, and it is time for you to request your invite. It's going to be in Nashville, August 28th through the 30th, and you are not going to want to miss this event. Join us for Dream Again. Check out VIPIgniteExperience.com to request your invitation. We hope to see you there. So, Larry, it sounds like the Trustwell strategy, at least right now, is primarily focused on um, acquisition. Is yes. that correct? Yes. So give us, if you can, a little bit of under-the-hood strategy of what you're looking for. Uh, I think you said 20 confidentiality agreements. You guys are obviously on the hunt for um, properties. What are you primarily looking for when you go in? We look for properties that are well-located in markets that are stable. We really do look at the competition. Uh, we typically are buying buildings that are probably on average you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, we're coming in to refresh them, both from a technology standpoint as well as the capital improvement and amenities for residents, also for staff. We're looking at ways to improve the staff rooms and you know, break rooms and make it much more comfortable the staff mm -hmm. you know that this is you know they're they're spending you know 
lot another hours every day with families and residents and you know make it an environment that they want to uh, enjoy as well. And that's a little bit different than times past, right? Because I've been involved in these refreshes for many years. And 10, 15 years ago, we'd walk down and we'd be analyzing the different areas with the decision makers. We'd get to the staff room and they'd say, not on the scope. And I would think like, why? I mean, it's it was just a little paint, something. And that's totally changed now. Yes. So look, it's the most valuable resource in this industry has always been staff. Okay, and you have to recognize it and make it that way. And, you know, even looking at, you know, whether it be med rooms and nurses stations and and break rooms that really work well, A, that supports the residents that are located in strategically. We're very cognizant as operators of the impact of a building's layout to operational efficiencies and margins. We're very, one thing I feel very strongly about is that um, there's a need to have a continuum in these buildings. Memory care is a really big need. Uh, we're buying a building right now that doesn't have memory care, and we're, we're going to be converting units. And the family is just so excited because they don't want to have to move a loved one, but they get each, reach a level. I also think it becomes a hindrance on marketing because families are concerned what happens if my parent or loved one needs more care and it's not there. So we are thoughtful about the size of the buildings. We want to be in a building that we feel is not too large, but large enough to have efficiencies where you can you know, staff it properly, provide all the services, and have a decent margin. Um, I'm very, very, I've always been focused on rates. I think one of the disappointing kind of observations I've had over the last few years from the outside was the fact that there was a focus on occupancy over rate. And in 35 years, and I see it on almost every property we look at, there's such a correlation between the rate that's being charged to residents and the net operating income. And there's so many operators that just focus on op- census, census, occupancy, occupancy, thinking that that will solve solutions. And all of a sudden, you see this erosion of margin. And I think, unfortunately, too many operators are dislocated from the ownership and don't understand the impact that's had on value of the underlying real estate. And you're seeing this. And you see it with properties that were built over the last four or five years. Um, that um, had challenges filling before COVID, was exacerbated during the pandemic. And now they have a real challenge because they have, uh, have large loans they have to repay, but the properties don't command the value that's necessary. And we'll see what's going to happen you know, with, with those. So answer your question, we look at buildings that are nicely sized, have enough units to create that efficiency, but not so large that you have to be nervous about staying full. Uh, We look at the competitive landscape. We look at how that's positioned on pricing, care, reputation. Uh, We look at the reviews. I think that's really important to understand. A lot of times that is the opportunity because you see buildings that you have to go in there. And so we'll be in that market even before we make the acquisition and start to introduce ourselves to the market 
and get to be known in the market and explain our strategy. And again, the best communication is that open, transparent communication with the families mm -hmm. and letting them know exactly what our plans are and listening to their questions and their concerns so that we understand you know, what we can do to um, uh, you know, help improve uh, the lifestyle and the uh, living environment for, for the loved ones. Well, you touched on a little bit um, uh, some of the focus towards in the repositionings of great attention to detail to creating uh, great environments for the team members. Um, everybody's obviously talking about the labor market, how tough it is, how much things have changed, particularly over the last couple of years. As you're kind of looking ahead, what are some strategies for operators that you guys are, are focused on to where, what are we going to do as an industry, uh, as community leaders to kind of either create a new workforce or, or a, be more appealing and be able to um, staff these communities appropriately? Do you have some strategies? I've always believed that the way people are treated makes a difference. Look, compensation is important, uh, clearly, okay? You want to be you know, competitive from a compensatory standpoint. But I think we have to be very thoughtful that I think, and I think it was probably even um, much more of a challenge because of the pressures of COVID and you know the concerns of making sure that people were following the CDC and local protocols. So you had a lot of this kind of heavy hand management mm -hmm. from the home office or the regional on the properties that frustrated people, okay? And you know, as I said, we've always had this culture of really empowering that community. And you know, for 22 years, I had town hall meetings every quarter. We would give out pins for years of service and gift cards. And every quarter, I'm giving out 10, 15, 20, 25-year pins because people really enjoyed working in an environment where everyone felt that they were valuable, and they were. And I think what also we understood as an, as an enterprise is that our mission whether we were an accountant, an HR, an executive, an assistant, was to serve that on-site staff and provide those resources. And I think the on-site staff really understood that. And I see that now. I get emails from staff members of properties that we haven't even acquired, how they're so excited to join Trustwell and they're there to win every day, okay? And they're just part of that team and that culture and that, that mentality. You know, I keep saying that I was very fortunate to join an organization in 1996 that had a great team, a great leaders, a uh, great culture and philosophy. And I just was smart enough not to change it. Okay. And I learned a lot over those years. And I, I think it makes a difference. Um, so, look, if there's going to be turnover. But I do think that it's really important that the on-site staff are involved. I mean, we've had Zoom calls with staff members. Um, we really you know, want them to embrace um, our, our culture, our philosophy, but also maintain their identity and understand how important they are every day in the lives of residents and families. 
and I think people enjoy that. And I think you know, this is a, a, a an industry that uh, you know, the two of you look at your background to what you're doing, right? You you you, know, you become lovers of this business, right? And you know, you hope to create this or continue this culture that the on-site staff feel very proud about what they're doing and feel like it's very, very much that they're in the lives of seniors in their, you know, in, in, the, in the stage of their lives, providing a really important service um, and home for, for the residents. And, you know, I do think that with uh, the restrictions coming down now and hopefully uh, that this, this, you know, we go into endemic from a pandemic and people learn to live with COVID and, you know, it's, it's, we can start to start to have greater activities, socialization, programming. I think that's really important. I think it's really important that people are engaged and um, enjoying their lives and feeling that, and I think it helps the staff. I think when the staff is involved and enjoying the, the interaction they're having and the engagement with residents, you know, how often do you get to work in somebody's home? I mean, right, uh, right. Uh, that's really what you are. It's one big family. You know, our tagline is: we look at this business as a family business. You know, it's and everyone's joining our family, and that's kind of you know how we think about this. And I think that's something that um, I hope others do and understand that you really need to respect. Um, the on-site staff and what they do every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really important to have great local leadership. I think that makes a big difference. Um, I think with the right leaders and the right structure, um, you know, there are buildings that do do very well and they operate well and they uh, they have staff that's um, retained for a long period of time. And a lot of it is just the way that they're treated every day. Um, and I said, and, and, and the fact that we're actually going in and thinking about, you know, the workspace, the environment, the, those break rooms, uh, the med rooms and everything else to make it easy for the staff and make it comfortable for the staff. I think they recognize that. Well, um, Larry, I, I could sit here and uh, pick your brain um, all day. You've got a wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, I'm so glad that your your pause and reflection time did not uh, last too long, uh, because we definitely need uh, more of you in, in our in our space. Because uh, great opportunities, great challenges ahead. Lucas, uh, fun conversation. I'm not even going to go there because I've got a few more, but we'll be here another <laughs> half hour at least. Well, so. you know what? The the more things change, the more things stay the same. People still want to be valued, right? Exactly. And so that's a great word and a great way to end the conversation. Larry, thank you for your time today, and we appreciate you being back on the show. Oh, great to see you both. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, you can go to btgvoice.com, and you can access this content, download this, connect with Trustwell Living and Larry in the show notes, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.